All right. Let's get into this. Yep. You don't need a fight. Sweet. You don't need a fight. You don't need to fight with your fist. Like this. Be like this. I'm saying no hala. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Here we are. Yeah. Awesome. Now we are. Who are we? Who are we? Who are we? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> are we the Ndongo brothers? Yeah. We're we're brothers. Let's say that we're brothers. Yeah. Um, yes. So we're jumping right into a very interesting conversation. It's gonna be the start of uh, hopefully what will be an ongoing conversation. Uh, some heavy stuff, some yeah. good stuff, some good questions. Uh, yes, and so let's jump right in. Uh, do you want to start by a quick intro yes. on your part as uh, the main man? Let's start. <laughs> right, so I am Martin Gishurindongo. I am a software engineering student at African Leadership University. And on the side, I try or I'm trying my hand at uh, photography and videography. Um, I love reading books and, you know, a bit of some podcasts as well. So yes. that is a bit about me and yeah, just who I am. I think there's a lot of, uh, lately there's a lot of things or there's a lot of adjectives I could use to describe myself. Sometimes I forget how them. <laughs> True, we're always changing, we're always changing uh, and uh, I think a big part of this conversation is actually hopefully going to be focused on self-awareness um, and so one of the themes that we could actually uh, put down for now is self-awareness, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so cool. And um, Augustine, Augustine Dungo, uh, I um many things uh but the main ones i am a human being as a starting point uh i'm a human being of african origin uh kenyan by birth um and i i am a son uh i'm a brother i'm a father uh i'm a partner i'm a friend to many uh and also hopefully i am um i am an Evolving person. I'm an evolving person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I love your, you know, your introduction. Sometimes I feel like we attach who we are to the things that we do. Right. right. Uh -huh. And sometimes we fall victim to it. Like I said, I'm a student, uh -huh. which is what yes. I do, yes. right? Yes. But there's a lot more that goes into our definition. Like, right. You know, you're a partner. You're a friend. You're a human, and sometimes that gets out of the way when we're describing ourselves. So yes, like and being a human first is a uh, yeah. I'm not an animal, <laughs> 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 or a, or a plant. I'm a I'm a human being. Yeah. Right. Um, so maybe to set the context for this conversation, uh, we are actually going to be delving into a specific book. Um, so we love books, as Martin mentioned, I love books as well. <laughs> books have been a long time friend. Um, and so we'll be digging into our first book together. Um, so hopefully with this session, we'll actually be setting the pace, setting the tone uh, for how we want to uh, continue these conversations with great authors. 
uh, great people who have been um, uh, sort of uh, uh, passed through this world and they have left their word, their message. Um, and then this book specifically, uh, it also has some very specific personal connection to this. Um, so Martin, you want to introduce the book for us? Yeah. Uh, so, who essentially is our third guest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the book is called When Breath Becomes Air. It's written by Paul Kalanithi, who was a neurosurgeon, neuroscientist. Yes. So a bit of some background, I picked up this book when I was looking for memoirs just to read. And when I searched uh -huh. online, yes. I, I'm a big fan of human interest stories, right? right. Uh, I find like whenever I open up books, when they're not memoirs, right. I, I struggle to finish them. So when I looked mm. for this memoir and I saw that, you know, Paul, the author, was right. diagnosed with lung cancer yes. when he was 37 years of age. Right. I realized that that's a very personal, you know, we would have a very personal connection with Paul because recently, um, within our among within our family, we yes. lost our mom to cancer, right? Right. So I felt like this would be a book that I'd really, really enjoy to, you know, pick the thoughts of a 37-year-old neurosurgeon diagnosed with lung cancer. So yes, that is pretty much how i ended up with a book right and oof, it's a roller coaster man <laughs> <laughs> it is an absolute roller coaster for sure um and i think as you put it it's a it's a heavy topic for one it's a heavy topic on grief uh and death uh cancer um and especially from the point of view of uh the person who took undertook that journey um, and in our story, this is really the why we are doing this conversation uh, specifically is also that we have gone through that journey, um, not as patients ourselves, but as what we would describe as, uh, first of all, as human beings, of course, yeah. um, but then as uh, primary caregivers as well, or um, caregivers to our late mom. Um, and we're doing this conversation uh, just about a year after she passed away. Uh, and two years uh, since she uh, got the diagnosis uh, as well. So it's been a journey of two years uh, to get to this conversation. Um, and that is to say that we are we are ready for this conversation, right? Yeah. Um, okay. We're very much ready for it. And uh, we're looking forward to engaging with also uh, our listeners as uh, they could be listening to this conversation, whoever you are. Um, please uh, just know that we'll, you're in good hands with this conversation. You don't have to run away from the, the word death or cancer yeah. uh, that's our hope that's our hope yeah. um, awesome so I thought one way we could actually um, start off uh, this particular part um, which for me is uh, is an important um, reflection on my own life journey up to this point uh, with podcasting, for example, um, right. and uh, as you know, my love of poetry as well. Yes. Um, I think it really helps us to put a context uh, to uh, any conversation that we are going through, right? Um, and especially what I really loved about this book is that Paul was actually not just a neuroscientist or neurosurgeon, he was a writer, 
number yes. one. Uh, he references poetry uh, for sure quite early in the book. He references one of my favorite, favorite points as well. Yeah. Um, and so I think it would be good for us to listen to a few words of a poet because poet really helps us to pay attention to the words, right? And this is a book that every single word yes. carries some weight, right? <laughs> yes. I love it. Yes. Let's go. All right, um, so this poem is called How to Be Human. How to Be Human. Okay. Uh, and it's a poem by a man uh, who went by the name Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman, uh, who is also referenced in um, uh, the book uh, Breath Comes to Air. Um, How to Be Human, and uh, I'll read it, uh, and then we're going to dive in. All right. All right. How to be human, quote-unquote, to remind myself. Make a place to sit down, sit down, be quiet. You must depend upon affection, reading, knowledge, Kill more of each than you have. Inspiration, work, growing older, patience. For patience joins time to eternity. Any listeners who hear your truth will doubt their judgment. All right, oh. so that's Walt Whitman, How to Be Human. How to be human. Yes, oh my yes, yes. Let those words sink in. Make a, make a, find a place, make a place to sit down. Sit down, be quiet. You must depend upon affection reading, knowledge, skill, more of each than you have. All right, that's yeah. why we read books. That's why that's we seek why we knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we read books and seek knowledge, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's jump right in, uh, and I'll let you take the first call on your reflections on uh, how um, on the book uh, Breath Comes to Air. Yeah. Um, yes. So first off, I I think after I'm gonna start with when I finished reading the book. Uh -huh. So I finished reading the book after I think two days, right? Yes. Uh, and when I finished, I remember immediately I put the book down. I I cast a lot because I was like, Jesus Christ, what did I just go through? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And I sat there in right. disbelief because. On one hand, it's so relatable and he touches on so many things that on one hand, we are very, are very uncomfortable. Yes. And some of these things, especially death, how do you face your own mortality? That was one mm -hmm. of my key takeaways from the book, right? And not just facing it, but facing it with so much, um, should we say courage? Courage, yes. Being courageous in the face of your own mortality. Right. And then on top of that, you're 37 years old. 
True. Just at, yes. You should even at, just at the prime of your life. Right. So and then you're faced with your own mortality. So that for me was, I I, I was struck. I had to sit down and just let that is sink in. Yes. Um, but I think it stretches beyond his, uh, you know, encounter with death, and goes over even to the purpose of life mm-hmm. and why we are living. What? Why are we on this world, right? Yes. So Paul goes over like at the very beginning of the book, um, his previous life before diagnosis with lung cancer. Yes. So when he goes through that and explains why he chose the path to, you know, how he even got himself to be a neurosurgeon. Right, right. You see a man who's taken very deliberate steps. Yes. And a man who's been very different straight from the beginning, straight from his young age. Right. And that for me was just seeing how beautiful it is when we make deliberate steps and deliberate um actions right uh, throughout our lives but yet again he's also human and he admits that well i sought out something in his studies because he studied for two years not for two years but he studied for a while yes even mm-hmm. got to a master's in literature right and then he puts that and says well i've gotten to this far i don't feel like i have what i need right yes. because his life is very purposeful and he really articulates why he's you know um he's taken all these actions education wise and all these choices that he's had to make right so it's on one hand speaking about the importance of living a very purposeful life true and on the other hand how do you face the concept or the idea that this very well crafted purposeful life is coming to an end yes and how do you first of all accept death and very importantly how do you make sense of all the years that you've lived so those would be my (laughs) two main ones and above everything else like just how well he is able to articulate himself in writing oh yeah i think that's Mm -hmm. the one thing that gets you man like he's so good in his writing yes you can just follow him i literally did not want to put that book down it's (laughs) it's one of those books he uses a lot of a lot of biological very you know uh keywords that are very even in the doctorate world yes you wouldn't understand some of them i didn't understand because uh, they're very mm-hmm. you know medicine technical stuff. terms yeah, yes. very technical mm-hmm. yes. terms but still even with that he still manages to grasp you has no idea of what these medical terms mean yes to the extent that you're almost moved to tears man it's you feel you feel yeah. the impact you of, the, of impact. the words that he's using yes yeah. yes even when you don't understand them even right. when you don't understand them right. so that's like my reflection my three main reflections number one very good literature right of a man who's lived a very very purposeful life yes right? that's the second part right and then the third part is facing your own mortality right making peace with it and being comfortable and facing it with courage. Yes. So that will be my main three reflections around the book. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and mine are uh, more or less in the same vein, I would say. Um, the book uh, for me speaks a lot um, 
especially in terms of uh, him being the tension between uh, being a writer and uh, being a doctor, um, the tension between childhood and uh, sort of uh, adulthood or later on in life, um, the tension between, uh, let's say, parents and children. Uh, him being of course a child of his father he references a lot about his journey growing up with his father who was a doctor his yeah. uncle who was a doctor um, and then his own decision to be a father or to become a father actually after learning that he's gonna uh, yeah. pass on sometime soon yeah. so there is that conversation between a parent and their child uh, a conversation between a writer and a doctor a conversation between an immigrant uh, as an immigrant who has migrated to another country, in this case the United States, uh, versus wh wh how we would consider ourselves as we are at our own home, yeah. right? And all those kinds of reflections. Um, so I took uh, sort of my primary notes uh, specifically for this first part. Um, to basically highlight specific themes, uh, self-awareness, uh, the power of uh, breaking the silence, right? Right. Um, using especially first-hand information or our stories, using our stories to break the silence that mm. exists in society. Silence around grief, silence around cancer, silence around uh, careers and families, um, all those, uh, how we can use uh, sort of our stories to break through that silence. He breaks through the silence around death yeah. in a very very powerful way right, right. Um, and uh, the book also references quite a bit around the topic of having or using your voice to bring out the greater truths of life right mm. um, so that's uh, sort of one uh, theme the second one is um, uh, let's say uh, specifically around awareness and specifically I would say peer uh, mentorship and the role of uh, that we play as peers um, to basically raise awareness uh, as mentors uh, for either our peers or also the next generations who are coming up behind us um, on topics such as uh, cancer awareness, um, you know, specifically in women. Uh, we being uh, men, uh, we haven't had an opportunity to empathize or we may not empathize, but the journey that we went through really helps yeah. us to empathize with our um, uh, friends and and uh, family of the yeah. opposite gender. Um, the topic on giving back to the community that we come from as right. well. Um, so whether we're doing these awareness, especially for the sake of others, right? The decision by Paul to write a book mm. uh, at a time when he could have been focused on just fighting uh, for his own life, uh, it really speaks again to giving back to the community, the medical community, the immigrant community, the uh, fathers who are going to be reading this and making their decisions about their life as well. Um, so that's another theme that I uh, definitely picked up on that. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, there are three big pictures uh, that I hope we can get into, um, if not in this session, but in actually subsequent sessions. Right. Um, the big picture on grief specifically uh, and the role and the journey of the primary uh, caregivers uh, in the journey of grief. 
the role of family and friends uh, as well in this journey. Um, we've talked about how our own journey, and we would love to reflect on how our own journey has been. As we are saying, it's been two years now at this yeah. point uh, with our journey with mom. Um, so this conversation would include our own reflections also on that journey, inspired by Paul's reflection on his journey, right. um, as well as our friends who have talked to us, who have shared with us, those that we are engaged with, who are also going through their own journey of, of, um, of grief. Um, and then the topics of um, uh, specifically in terms of the big picture of time, right? Um, the passage of time, what yeah. does it mean? Is time a progressive uh, sort of um, a progressive linear way of thinking about time? We are talking about Paul, he's not there, right? Yeah. We talk about our mom, she's not there, yeah. but her not being there, does it mean that her story is gone? In the concept of time, mm. you know, what we, how do we think about our ancestors? Yeah. Him as an ancestor, mom as an ancestor. Uh, in traditional African uh, life, we talk about the unborn, the living, and the living, ah, dead. The living dead. So yeah. those kinds of conversations would be interesting to see how uh, Paul's uh, journey and story reflects on these big themes on life. Yeah. Um, rites of passage, right? Uh, rites of passage, and with grief as as well as death, as a very good example of a rite of passage. Right. We are now commemorating the first anniversary of mom. Yeah. Uh, which essentially is in an in one way an opportunity for us to mark um, what really has been a journey of mourning. Uh, for the last one year since uh, her funeral um, and so is there a before and after right, right. Um, and so this conversation becomes more like a placeholder yeah in terms of that journey um, of life where there is going to be the before mom the after mom right yeah. uh, before mom there was no Paul as well there was no conversations <laughs> of cancer but yeah. this conversation helps us to now take a step forward and look back to this moment in terms of what we did to reflect on it and then how that really impacted our life uh, beyond this point yeah and then finally there is also the topic of work uh, right. or generally the meaning of life right yeah. um, the self versus the community yeah um, freedom versus responsibility right um, and around that I think there is quite a good amount of uh, material to dig in especially yeah. in the first years of his life in the education part of it um, just to reflect on okay what is um, Paul's journey in terms of the the one part that we can all connect with, yeah. right? Uh, not many people will connect with his death part, but the first part of his childhood, his growing up, his thinking about education, his relationship yeah. with family, choices in school, university, friendships, all of that, I think it really can help us to start our conversation in a point where we can relate very well with um, with our audience. Yeah. yeah. Um, so any notes, quotes that you want to share from yeah. those first years of, uh, of uh, Paul's life? Yeah. I have a ton. Uh -huh. I bet you do. I bet you do. <laughs> uh, yes. One of my favorite quotes uh -huh. is um, let me just pull up my notes. Right. So he says, uh, I think this is a bit in the middle of the book. Human knowledge is never contained in one person. It grows from the relationships we create between each other and the world. And uh -huh. it is never complete. Wow. Human knowledge. Yes. 
yes. that now is profound, wow. right? Uh, then there is, you know, I had spent so much time studying literature at Stanford and the history of medicine at Cambridge in an attempt to understand or to better understand the particularities of that, right. only to come away feeling like they were. But I feel like this one is closer to the end of the book. Um, huh. As you say, like, you know, coming to the particularities of death. But um, I think this one on human knowledge is definitely one of my strong or one of those that I really, really loved. Um, huh. Let me see more. Um, right, I think for me, most of my quotes are from the second part of the book. The second part of the book, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds good. That's, that's where I felt yeah. like, uh, to be honest, I think. Uh, I never paid that. I did pay attention to you know the first part of the book. Right. It gives so much of very good context to you know later understanding uh, his second part. Yes. But I felt like the second part for me was really really impactful. Yes. Right? Yes. Especially because it's it hits home. So it definitely does. The quotes that I it definitely got does. That side. Yes. But I think I still have a grasp of you know some nuggets or some parts of the book that really got to me in the first part of the book. Yes. Um. Yeah. But. I'd be curious to hear some of the quotes that you have from the past. Definitely, definitely. Um, and since we have the book here with us, of let's uh, actually um, uh, use the next first part of uh, today's conversation. We can have a good amount of reading content from the oh, book, yeah. quotes and quotes and quotes. Yeah. And then we'll dig in, in in the second part into discussing many of these quotes. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's do that. And uh, that I think will cover it for this first part. Nice. So I'm thinking mm -hmm. uh, we have some good number of quotes here. Yeah. One of the things that I love about especially reading poetry and speaking, it helps to work the voice yeah. before now the voice can speak our ideas, right? Yeah. Um, so we can read a couple of these. Yeah. I see it's almost seven. Okay. So let's read about 10-15 uh, minutes of these like quotes back yeah. and forth. Yeah. Uh, and I've marked them like this. So any of them we can just read. Yeah. Let's speak to you. I'll yeah. read a few and then you can read a few others. Okay. And then now we can do a further recording when we get home in April yeah. as a discussion. As part, a discussion, yeah? yeah. Cool. Cool. Awesome. That's so. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Fight. You don't have to die. La, la, la. <laughs> you can be the fight. So sweet. You don't have a fight. You don't need a fight. Da, da. Okay. <laughs> cool. You that seek what life is in death, now find it in air that once was breath. New names unknown, old names 
all gone. Till time and bodies, but souls, none. Reader, make time while you be, but steps to your eternity. Yes. Wow. So that's a very good quote there from um, uh, Baron Brook Greville. Kelika 83. I guess that's a book. This book has a lot of poems, actually, oh, yeah. and a lot of quotes in poetry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the favorite books that I remember uh, learning about in uh, campus right. um, was how to read a book. How to read a book, uh, and it's very important, uh, of course, when we read a book, uh, we understand, let's say, from uh, even the cover, right? Right. Um, so what do we see on the cover on your part? I see a sergeant, what I presume is a sergeant, right? And he's the back of a sergeant. So he has his uniform blue and the cover, like, is that a hat? I don't know what they call that in medical terms, but kind of yes. a hat, yeah. A and then mm -hmm. yes. words in bold, fine breath becomes a, yeah. Nice, yes. It's a doctor who is facing away from us. Yes. Or giving his back to us, right? Yeah. Um, when breath becomes air, what makes life worth living in the face of death? So mm. book topics or book headings often have these two parts to it. As you right. can see, the big parts first, when breath becomes air. Yeah. But then under that, there is a bit more detail, yes. right? And that's really the purpose of the book, the why this book was written. Yeah. Um, so we want to recognize it as what makes life worth living in the face of death, which yeah. is basically how we um, uh, also talked about our own takeaways from the book. Yes. And so the second part is always good to look at uh, the forward part of the book uh, yeah. just because that content sometimes it may not be in the voice of the author but um, it helps to give a lot of context as well uh, yes. to the book itself and that's why it's a forward, right? Yeah. Um, and I really love the forward uh, by Abraham Varghese. Um, he says... It occurs to me as I write this forward that the forward to this book might be better thought of as an afterward. Because when it comes to Paul, Paul Kalanithi, all sense of time is turned on its back, on its head. To begin with, or maybe to end with, I got to know Paul only after his death. Right. I came to know him most intimately when he ceased to exist. That's a powerful opening right there, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> we just talked about the span of time and the yeah. question of what happens after death. Yeah. Right? In this case, he's telling us, Abraham is telling us that he got to know Paul after, after his death. Yeah. And we can reflect on that on our own and say, hmm, we've learned a lot about mom 
after her death, right? After her death, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true, right? Yeah. So we're not we're not we're not in the wrong place. We're uh-huh. we're in a good place. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're, we're we're still on the right journey. Um, and I loved how he described how they met because yeah. that's also how many of our readers uh, are going to meet Paul. They're meeting yeah. through a certain conversation, maybe even through this conversation, somebody will hear and learn about Paul. Yeah. Um, so I love how he also introduces his getting to know Paul because they also puts a bit of an empathy with us right yes. that okay you're talking about some guy Paul like what is why should we care right yeah. so Abraham really helps us to also know that even him he got to know Paul after his death yeah though he met him before that right yeah so I met him one memorable afternoon at Stanford University in early February of 2014 he had just published an op-ed, an opinion article titled, How Long Have I Got Left in the New York Times? Mm-hmm. An essay that would elicit an overwhelming response and an outpouring from readers all around the world. And in the aftermath, Paul came and talked to me to get advice about literally agents, editors, and the publishing process. He had a desire to write a book, this very book, that we are now holding in our hands. <laughs> so we're meeting Paul at a time when he's seeking advice about writing a book. Yeah. This book. Yeah. This book that had so much power and impact Paul was unsure about how to make it work yeah. at some point, right? Right. Every idea, every journey starts with that first doubts of how do it, does it work, right? Yeah. And Paul uh, reached out to a friend and asked for advice. He had also done the part that we say in Kikuyu, <laughs> so he had already written a whole essay yeah. and the topic was how long have I got left? Right. Left to do what? Yeah. To live, we would assume, right? Of course, yeah. I recall the sun filtering through the magnolia tree outside my office and lightening this scene. Paul seated before me, his beautiful hands exceedingly still. His prophet's beard. Prophet's beard. Mm. Fool. His dark eyes taking the measure of me. Mm. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking, you must remember this. Because that was falling, what was falling on my eye was precious. And because in the context of Paul's diagnosis, That's how I became aware, not just of his mortality, but my own as well, right? Yeah. (laughs) Beautiful start to a book, right? So in other words, that's why we can say we actually are in the same boat with Abraham uh, who wrote the foreword at this point in this story, right? We've just met Paul. And somehow we are coming to terms with his mortality and we are also coming to terms with our own mortality as well, right? Yes. 
I thought about him a lot, about his wife. I wanted to ask him if he was writing, was he finding time? For years, as a busy physician, I had struggled to find the time to write. I wanted to tell him that a famous writer, thinking about this external problem, had once said to me, if I were a neurosurgeon and I announced that I have to leave my guests my patience to go in for an emergency crani- craniotomy. Right. If I have to leave my guests, let's say we're in a dinner at a party or something, I have to mm-hmm. leave my guests uh, to go in for an emergency craniotomy, brain operation, the yeah. cranium. No one would say a word. But if I said I need to leave the guests in the living room to go upstairs to write, uh. Uh, right? Uh-huh. And Abraham here says, I wondered if Paul would have found this funny. Right. Funny. <laughs> Humor. Yeah. Let's see what happened after that. Right. Um. Yes. Right. So, while Paul was writing this book, he published a short, remarkable essay in Stanford Medicine in an issue that was devoted to the idea of time. I had an essay in the same issue, my piece juxtaposed to his, through though I learned of his contribution only when the magazine was in my hands. In reading his words, I had a second, deeper glimpse of something of which there had been a hint in the New York Times essay. Paul's writing was simply stunning. He could have been Mm. writing about anything and it would have been just as powerful. Paul, but he wasn't writing about anything. He was writing about time and what it meant to him now in the context of his illness which made it so incredibly poignant Mm. right he was writing about time writing about his time Hmm. and what it meant to him now in the context of his illness yes and i like that abraham recognizes that paul was not just actually the paul that we are meeting in this phase right in this stage of the book, he's a writer. We don't know about his uh, education in medicine, uh, his uh, skill as a surgeon, yeah. but we hear already something about his writing. It's very powerful. Yeah. He could be writing about anything, right? Yeah. And that's very interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting to reflect upon. Yeah. Um, let's continue. Let's see what else goes on there. Right. But here's the thing I must come back to. The prose was unforgettable. Hmm. Out of his pen, he was spinning gold. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. 
that's a bit of some poetry right there. I oh, love it is. the rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> I love the With rhyme. With his pen, he was spitting gold. Yeah. Yes. I read Paul's piece again and again, trying to understand what he had brought about. First, it was musical. It had echoes of Galway Kinnell, almost a prose poem. Huh. If one poetry. day it happens, you find yourself with someone you love in a cafe at one end of the point of of the point Mirabu at the zinc bar where wine stands in upward classes. That's to quote a keynote line from a poem I once had him recite in a bookstore in Iowa City, never looking down at the paper. Mm. He did not look. Just how much appreciation for poem did he have? Yes. To master all these lines, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And these reflections are are interesting because then um, we see already that Paul had a power that transcended beyond his role as a doctor. Right. Right. Um, and what was that power that could be more important than all the education that he had? Right. And it turns out it's the power to have uh, to be able to tell his uh, story in writing. Yes. Um, so being a writer essentially speaks to being a storyteller. It's bearing witness to your own life. Yeah. Right. And the life of others around you. Um, and also it helps a lot in terms of internalizing our own inner journeys through life. Right. Yeah. Because now when Paul is writing about time, the first thing that we hear is that we are going to experience a distortion of time. Yes. Right. Um, the mind can travel back in time and forward in time, whereas the body is in the moment. Yeah. A neurosurgeon will treat you as you are in that moment. They cannot treat your future. No. They cannot treat your past, right? No. But a writer is almost like a surgeon now. Yeah. And that's what Paul is doing. Yeah. He's double blessed in that sense that he has those two skills. Yeah. It's an amazing story actually, yeah. It's amazing, yeah. Let's see. What is your some other thoughts? Mhm. Um I think for me it's to see I mean as you said like it's powerful that this, you know, forward is written after his death, yet he's able to mm-hmm. articulate very intricate or very intimate details about Paul right. when he met him. Yes. So it, it brings to mind, like, whenever we meet people, right. how much attention or how... how present are you when you're with this person right to be able to recall even the lines that paul once said at a cafe without looking right without looking yes (laughs) yes it speaks to the you know storytelling as well being a storyteller being present right right Uh yes which i think is really really well articulated at this point right um even without you know, even with I could see why is his name Lincoln? Let me. Uh, Kinnell. Kinnell. Yeah, Kinnell, I can yes. see why he chose this part, or why he was just. Oh, you mean the, the forward? Yes, the forward that's Abraham. Abraham, Abraham Varghese. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Thought about Abraham. Yes. Father <laughs> <laughs> <For the> Abraham. <laughs> yeah, but I see why he wrote yes. the forward. Right, right. Because he was present. 
present in mm-hmm. Paul's life in mm-hmm. as much as he didn't know about his diagnosis when he yes. met him at this cafe, right? So very, it's, very. it's very powerful. It speaks to being present, yeah. Yes, and and how the, their communion yes. then uh, or their fellowship, uh, Abraham and Paul, really uh, actually Paul transfers some of his um, uh, powerful inspiration as a writer to Abraham who then is transferring his own inspiration and his own motivation as a writer he references a bit of his own experience as a neurosurgeon struggling with writing and finding time and he's passing that on to another person right and for us as listeners as leaders we're getting that connection we care about writing we care about reading, we care about words. Yeah. So we realize that even people like that have the same kind of struggles. Right. When to write, very yeah. basically, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so Paul's writing was reminiscent of Thomas Brown's. Brown had written Regio Medici, Regio Medici in 1642. So again, the distortion of time. Yeah. Now we have Paul writing in 20, maybe 14, 15, 16, 17. Yeah. And um, Abraham is referencing that Paul's writing reminded him of Thomas Brown's writing back in 1642. Yeah. With all its archaic spellings and speech, And as a young physician, I, Abraham, was obsessed with that book. I kept it like a farmer trying to drain a bog that his father before him had failed to drain. It's a generational battle. Yeah. It was a futile task, and yet I was desperate to learn its secrets, tossing it aside in frustration. Then picking it up again, unsure that it had anything for me, but, but in sounding the words, I could sense that it actually did have an impact on me. Mm-hmm. I felt that I lacked some critical receptors for the letters to sing to impart their meaning. And so it remained opaque, this book, Radio Medici, no matter how hard I tried. Right. This is a literature, it's a, it's a tasking exercise, it's a difficult <laughs> job. That's why right. we are tackling this book together, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Some words that we also started by saying we couldn't understand, technical yeah. terms, but they have some impact, right? And I love the fact that he says, only in sounding out the words, ah, I could right. sense the that their impact, I could sense they have an impact on me, yeah. sounding them out. So this brings in the connection between, again, a writer and a reader, for example, yeah. right? A writer will express the thoughts in their head. But when you're reading, you're putting your words, your own voice into it. You're bringing those words to life. Yeah. So that's why this conversation as well, that's what we're hopefully going to be able to do, to bring Paul back to life in the conversation that we are going to be having on this book. Right. Yeah. Who cares about Reggio Medici? Well, my hero 
Abraham Cyril William Osla cared. Osla was the father of modern medicine, a man who died in 1919. So we're bridging now from 1642, Thomas Brown, yeah. 1919. We have William Osla who cared about those writings of yeah. Thomas Brown. And Osla had loved this book just as Abraham, right? Yeah. He kept it in his nightstand. He asked to be buried with a copy Whoa. of Reggio Medici. Wow. Mm. Mm. Wow. To love a book so much, you ask to be buried with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's some deep stuff right there, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm? But to be honest, um I feel like I'd do the same with Paul's book. Huh. <laughs> see? You'd see yourself. It's a very there, comforting. Right? It's yeah. it brings you comfort with the reality of mortality, right? Yeah. Paul, it occurred to me was Brown's redux or descendant, right? right. Or, given that for time is our illusion, perhaps Brown, writing in 1642, right. was Paul's descendant right. in the context of time. Yeah. This is head-spinning stuff, right? <laughs> you find yourself revolving, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So let's uh, cover this last part for now, and then we can continue in the next part. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Um, and then Paul died. And then Paul died. Hmm. Yes, Paul was gone. But strangely, I felt I was coming to know him beyond that visit in my office, beyond the few essays he'd written. He was taking form in those table in those tales, being told in the Stanford Memorial Church, its soaring cathedral dome, a fitting space in which to remember this man whose body was now in the earth, but who nevertheless was so palpably alive. He took form in the shape of his lovely wife and baby daughter, his grieving parents and siblings, in the faces of the legions of friends, colleagues and former patients who filled that space. He was there at the reception later, outdoors in a setting where so many came together. I saw faces looking calm, smiling as if they had witnessed something profoundly beautiful mm. in the church. Perhaps my face was like that too. We had found meaning in the ritual of a service, in the ritual of eulogizing, in, share, in the shared tears. There mm. was further meaning residing in this reception where we slaked our thirst, fed our bodies and talked with complete strangers to whom we were intimately connected through Paul. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. I, Death connects us. Yeah. Death unites us. And you know what just huh. flashed through my mind? Yes. So, remember um, last year during Mom's bio? Yes. 
we stood together in a line. Yes. And we were laughing. True. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> and somebody asked, "How do you guys find? Yes. How are you laughing, right? Right. Uh-huh. Like, this right here is the same exact thing, yes. right? Yes. That uh-huh. all took form in the in the in the, these people around him at right. the church during his memorial. Yes. Right. I always remember someone commenting and uh-huh. saying, "Oh wow, you know." I see these children running around uh-huh. and I yes. see your mom, right? Yes. That is to say, like, that connects us. And in as much as we feel like we are left, yes. these people still continue to live through us. Right? Paul lives on. Paul lives on. Mom lives on. Mom lives on. That's where we are. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it was only when I received the pages that you now hold in your hands uh-huh. two months after Paul died that I felt I had finally come to know him to know him better than if I had been blessed to call him a friend hmm after reading the book you're about to read I confess I felt inadequate hmm there was an honesty a truth in hmm. the writing that took my breath away wow honesty honesty truth that's really what takes your breath away in that's this book what takes the vulnerability of it yes yes that mm-hmm. even beyond calling him a friend the right yes. in here is yes. what is going to take you away right 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 so be ready mm be seated mm-hmm. see what courage sounds like See how brave it is to reveal yourself in this way. But above all, see what it is to still live, to profoundly influence the lives of others after you're gone by your words. In a world of asynchronous communication, where we are so often buried in our screens, our gaze rooted to the rectangular objects buzzing in our hands our attention consumed by ephemera stop and experience this dialogue with my young departed colleague now ageless and extant in memory listen to paul hmm in the silences between his words listen to what you have to say back mm therein lies his message i got it i hope you experience it too it's a gift let me not stand between you and paul oh yeah that's a powerful introduction right well you feel it it definitely you feel it what is he's really setting the pace for us right yeah yeah like, that's where we are mm-hmm. yes be ready he be ready yes he gets it, right? be ready, be ready. Be yes seated. yes yeah. yes and so i think we can actually wrap this first part yes with going back because these words are reminding us back to walt whitman what walt whitman is saying yeah right how to be human right and we read the first paragraph make a place to sit down sit down be quiet right in the second stanza whitman says breathe breathe this book is breath becomes air 
Breathe with unconditional breath. Unconditional breath. The unconditioned air. Shun electric wire. Communicate slowly. Live a three-dimensioned life. Right. Stay away from screens. Mm -hmm. Screens. Yeah. Remember, Walt is writing easily a hundred years back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Timeless writing. Stay away from screens. Stay away from anything that obscures the place it is in. Right. Mm -hmm. There are no unsacred places. There are only sacred places and desecrated places. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And finally, last paragraph here. Accept what comes from silence. Right. Abraham is telling us, read the silence between Paul's words. Right? Could you read that once again? In the silences between his words, Mm -hmm. listen to what you have to say back. Uh Uh-huh. And Paul Whitman is saying, accept what comes from silence. We can think of death as silence. Yeah. We can think of it as a pause. Make the best you can do of it, of silence, of the little words, little words that come out of silence, like prayers. Prayers prayed back to the one who prays. Right. Mm -hmm. Make a poem that does not disturb the silence from which it came. Read that again. Make a poem that does not disturb the silence from which it came. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Powerful words there. Powerful words. Why we love literature. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I actually feel I feel excited now to really, really dig in into this book. Right? I feel I hope you feel the same. Oh yeah. Oh my word. I think after reading back, you know, um, the forward again. Yes. You start feel some goosebumps <laughs> getting in, <laughs> and I mean, I just I feel the excitement to deep yes. dive into this book, right? Right. right. Um, and I think share and most of all connect with whoever is going to be listening. Yes. Um, not just through Paul, but also through our story. Like yes, exactly. Literature yes. is, I think, a window. It helps us to share our own stories as right. well and see how how common we are as human beings right we always say nothing is new under the moon Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but 
I think it's until we read people's stories yes. through literature, actually, yes. that we understand that, yeah, nothing is new under the moon. Somebody has been through this again. Somebody has been through that. And we yes. connect in, in very deep ways. Right? Yes. Um, and that's just the essence of this, to connect with whoever is listening, to connect right. with ourselves, and yes. even to connect with Paul as well. Yes. So I'm really excited. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Same here. I think we are going to be in a very, very good conversation here with Paul. Um, and we're looking forward uh, to sharing as well as yeah. much of our journey. Um, I love the theme of time. We've gone back to 1642. Yeah. Uh, come back to 1919. Now we're meeting Paul in 2014. Yeah. And here we are. And we hope that this conversation as well will live on to the future and next generations who will be able to also find some meaning some impact from not just our story but also paul's story yeah and that's what we call uh paying it forward oh yeah we're paying it forward here yeah cool stuff um i think that's to say a wrap but before we go yes quick fire question um what are you most excited about in the coming few days Oh, in the coming few days. Good, it's, it's true, right? Yeah. Life moves on. And um, I think for me, the again, going with the context of this conversation, uh, one of the things that I'm really, really excited on as a reflection is actually um, the idea of a voice, right? Oh, and the power right. of a voice uh, to bear witness yeah. of our own stories and our own experiences in life, as we are learning from uh, also Paul. And so I'm excited to think about how uh, not only in my own journey of grief, I think finding my voice has been the main journey, the main struggle of my experience in the last two years. Um, and I feel that I'm in a place where um, actually I can begin to share my experience and hopefully once again, um, inspire, motivate, help, support, help yeah. anyone uh, who is also going through this battle of our life to find our voice. Right. Um, and uh, that's what I'm really excited about. Um, I think for me, the internal or the inner journey has been quite uh, enriching. Uh, it's been quite challenging, but enriching. Um, and I feel that I'm in a much better place at the end of this one year of mourning um, yeah. to actually be able to start sharing that that journey, that experience, yeah. and hopefully help someone else. Yeah. That's really what I'm excited about the most uh, at this point. Yeah. Um, for you, what are you excited about? Um, I think I'm excited to hear how people you know relate to the stories that we we share here right? yes not just about paul but just about the grieving journey right. and what that means um i'm really excited to see the reactions of people and to hear feedback from them right uh when, yes you know we speak about grief um and that i think is gonna be significant because i feel like grief is one of those things um that probably we do not really speak about in, in society until it, it, it knocks on our door, right? Yes. So I'm excited to see how people take up the, you know, conversations around grief. Right, um, right. And mm -hmm. to yes. take them up in a positive way that mm -hmm. is not um, very negative or very sad, right? Yes. Because truth be told, there's, there's a very positive and very heartful side to grief. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I hope, 
people can, you know, I'm excited to see how people relate to that side and hear stories, right? Yes. Um, so that is what I'm excited about. Uh, and family, yeah, yeah. Of course, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, really, yes, yes, really yes. <laughs> the one side that comes with, I mean, one of the positives of grief is yes. it brings you all very close to each other. Yeah, right? So does. I'm really, really excited to meet family um, right. and even share with them this idea and this uh, yes. recording as well. Yes. So that's just pretty much it. Yeah. Awesome. To family? To family. Yes. <laughs> All right. As face bump. Good one. All right. Stay yeah. tuned. We'll be right back with the further discussion or breakdown of how breath comes to air. Yeah. Or how breath becomes air in the coming episodes. All, All right. right. Adios. Adios. Okay. Hey. Nice. See, that was one that hour. That was a good one. That was a hour? solid hour, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. the hour is tight. Yeah. So, let's say it's 7.30. Well, so let's, okay. just, let's just run. Yeah.